Good morning, church. Good morning. What a blessing to be here again. And um, just to know that the church in Mount Pleasant are always ready. It's just amazing to see how the kids are growing. You know, when I look at them from one year to the other, it's just unbelievable. But what a blessing also to know that they are still coming to church and you are bringing them out to serve the Lord. Um, <clears throat> I want you to bear with me. We don't, have a, we don't have a little pulpit down here, no? No? Yeah, we can get one. Okay, yeah, that will, that will over there will serve well. Um, <clears throat> how many of us are happy to be here this morning? Yes, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. We're happy to be here because God has spared our lives and he has granted us the privilege to be here. Thank you, brother. This morning, before we go into the sermon, brother, is that fine? Okay, I'm sorry. Before we go into the sermon, we are going to sing a song. And I want you to join me and sing with me, okay? And it's, um, it's going to be on the screen. We are going to, okay? Um, Lord, prepare me, okay? Prepare our hearts for what the Lord has to say to us this morning. Lord, prepare me <clears throat> to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you Lord prepare me to be a sanctuary pure and holy tried and true with thanksgiving I'll be a living sanctuary for you it is you Lord who came to save the heart and soul of every man and it's you Lord who knows my weakness I give me strength with thine own hands. Let us all sing. Come on now. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be your living. Sanctuary for you. Lead me, O oh Lord, from temptation. Purify me from within. 
fill my heart with your Holy Spirit and take away all my sin. Come on now. Lord, prepare me to be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true. With thanksgiving, I'll be living sanctuary for you. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. To be a sanctuary, pure and holy, tried and true, with thanksgiving, I'll be a living sanctuary for you. Lord Jesus, we thank you so much, Lord, for this great privilege you give us that we can be prepared as your sanctuary, a place where your Holy Spirit can dwell, a place where we can find strength, comfort in Jesus Christ. I pray that you speak to us through your Holy Word. And please to hide me behind the shadow of your cross, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Go with me to the book of Luke, chapter 15. And we are going to read Luke 15. And we are going to take verses um, 11 onward. Story that we know very well. Story that we know very well. And I'm going to need some volunteers soon. So if I call for somebody to help me out, I hope you will come out here real quickly and, and help me out today with the sermon. Verse 11 says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together and journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. We find this parable that Jesus taught his followers to be a very inspiring message for God's church 
in these end times. One of the things that I want us to, you know, put in our minds firstly is the fact that sin is a separation from God. Let's imagine this is God standing over here. God is here. When I move away from God, I separate myself from God, I sinned. Okay? So sin, when we separate from the will of God, we separate ourselves from Him. When we move over here, then we start to transgress the law of God. And we commit what we call sins. We will worship idols once we are separated from God. We will covet once we separate ourselves from God. We will break his holy Sabbath once we are separated from God. We will steal, and I could go on and on, because we have moved, we have moved away and separated ourselves from God. We stay close to God. The story is different. Here we find a prodigal son. And apparently, according to what we have read so far, he was the younger son. And he wanted to inherit what belonged to him. And back in the days, you would inherit once your parents die. In the Jewish tradition and history, you inherit your parents' goods, properties, whatever it is they have, once they die. But he wanted to get his belongings before that happens. And this is where we find the problem. And he told his father, you know what, dad, I, I want you to give me what belongs to me. And if we read carefully, the father gave it to him. And once he received it, he left his home and he gone. And I want somebody to come up here to hold me this, this poster here. Sin. Who's going to come? All right. I need somebody strong now. <laughs> there we go. There we go. You can stand right here where the right. organ is. Yeah. So sin, let us understand, sin is separating from God, is the transgression of the law of God. But the good thing about it is that we find an answer to sin right in the sanctuary. You got it? Sin answered in the sanctuary. So when we sin, we have the privilege to go to the one who can forgive our sins. The one who cleanses us from our sin. And here is where the prodigal son is. Lost, destitute, and far from God. And the Bible tells us that he lived a prodigal life. And the, the thing is, a prodigal is one who wastes everything. He wastes everything. So he wastes up everything he got. And the Bible says in verse 14, when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in that land, 
and he began to be in want. You know, sometimes as Christians, when you separate yourself from God, whether you're a young person, an adult, or whoever you are, you walk away from God. God permits things to happen in your life. He permits things to come in your path for you to remember where you are coming from and where you need to go. And here God permitted this famine to hit the land. And so this young man reached to a point where he began to really realize how far he was from God. Verse 15 says, Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Now, let's remember something. Once we separate ourselves from God and we sin and we start transgressing, If we don't turn back from here, we are going to go deeper and deeper into sin. That's how it works. And you go to a point where you don't even realize how deep you are in your sin. And you may even come to the point of thinking that everything is fine with me. When it's not. Sin is like a quicksand. The more you move into this environment of sin, the deeper you go into sin. And the harder it is for you to realize your own condition. And here is this prodigal son. Verse 16 said he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pots that the swine ate and no one gave him anything. I think, I don't, I don't know if there is that animal on earth as nasty as the swine. Filthy. As a matter of fact, the Lord tells us, you know, in his word, that we should not even touch this animal. It's not healthy. And feeding them is not even healthy for you to be around them. It is recommended to keep this animal as far as possible from where you live. But he was feeding them, and at the same time, he was in such a bad condition, situation, that he wanted to eat the swine's food. You can just imagine how bad, badly he was. Thank God for verse 17. The story changed, start to change. This is what we could call maybe the, 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 the climax Of the prodigal story. Verse 17 says. When he came to himself. He said. How many of my father's hired servants. Have bread enough. And to spare. And I perish with hunger. He started thinking on the days. When he was over here. When he was with his father. I had everything. You know I remember the food. That the servants used to eat. It was excellent food. And I'm out here. Starving and, you know, desiring the food of the swine. I want to tell you all, this is the Holy Spirit working right here. Nobody else but the Holy Spirit working on him. The famine comes, and with the famine, the Holy Spirit works on the heart. And that's what he does with us today. You know, when we start drifting and we start separating ourselves from God, he sends his Holy Spirit. To work in our hearts. And sometimes he sends the angels to speak to us and redirect us. And the Bible says that he 
was about to perish. But listen what happened in verse 18. He said, I will arise and go to my father. And I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. Once we sin, my brothers and sisters, the next step, if we permit the Holy Spirit to work in us, will be repentance. And the reason why I have it in Spanish and English, you know, of course, the kind of churches, we have two congregations. I need somebody else to hold. Somebody strong. You ready, sister? I know you're ready. Another strong man over there. Okay. So what comes after sin and the Holy Spirit works in our hearts and melts our hearts? What happened? Repentance. We repent. We come to the point where we realize and remember it's through the Holy Spirit that we come to repentance. Again, repentance is found also in the sanctuary. Where do we go when we repent? To the sanctuary. Do we go to the holy or the most holy place? Where do we go today, living in the 21st century? The holy or the most holy place? The most holy. That's where Jesus is interceding for us. And so the prodigal son came to himself and he said, I must go there. I need to go find my father. I need to find my Savior. I need to find Him because I have sinned. I have done wrong. And that's what, you know, the Holy Spirit wants us all to come to that point in our lives where we realize, I have sinned and I have come short. And then when you realize that you sin, you're not going to stay in your sin. You're going to get out your sin and you're going to come to the Father through repentance. What a blessing. Now, verse 18, verse 19 says, I'm not even worthy to be called your son, but make me like one of your hired servants. We are not even worthy of salvation. We are not worthy of the grace that Christ has given unto us and is offering unto us. We, what have we done to merit it? Nothing. But he's freely offering us repentance He's offering us salvation. He's offering us grace. But he wants us to repent and turn away from our sins and receive salvation. And the good thing about it, you know, is that we are not going to stay in that position. We are going to rise up from where we are and we are going to go to the Lord. Now, there's a problem today and and a lot of people are making this big mistake. We want to stay down there. But we still want the Lord's blessings. That's a problem. That's a problem. That's a problem. If you go with me, and we're coming back to the book of Luke, um, I'm going to take 1 John chapter 3, verse 4. 1 John 3, 4. 1 John 3, 4. Notice what the Word of God says. 1 John 3, 4 it says, Whosoever or whoever commits sin, also commits what? Lawlessness. And sin is what? Sin is lawlessness. I like the, 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 the um, King James Version. It says, sin is the transgression of the law. It's going against the will of God. It's going against the character of God. And then we go back now to Luke chapter 15. And the Bible said he arose and he came to his father. But when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion on him and fell on his neck and kissed him. What a blessing. 
He got out of the pig, pig's pot and he went to his father. And then we find in verse 21, it says, And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. You see, when we come to repentance, when we come to the point of acknowledging that we have sinned and we confess our sin, a work had to be done here first, right? In the brain, in the mind. And that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. He helps us to think about all the things that we have done and to evaluate ourselves and repent. So when he got out of that mess and he came over here, full of repentance to the sanctuary, the Holy Spirit had been working already on his mind. And the Holy Spirit told him, you need to get out of that condition where you are right now. You need to get up and go to your Father, and this is where he came and he confessed his sin. Come on, strong man. Who's another strong man or strong lady or strong boy? Okay. Confession. Where do we go to confess our sins? No, my question. Where do we go to confess our sins? Where do we go? To the sanctuary again. The sanctuary is so crucial. We can't, we, we, brothers and sisters, today living in the 21st century, we cannot live without going to the sanctuary. Amen. We have to go there every day. Verse 22 says, But the father said to his servants, Bring out the best robe and put it on him, and put on a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet, and bring the fatted calf here and kill it, and let us eat and be merry. That calf, my brothers and sisters, represents Jesus Christ who died for us. The lamb that was nailed to the cross. And he went to the cross because of my sin and your sins. That's the reason why he went to the cross. He left the splendor of heaven because of our sins. Not because he was just, you know, just wanted to come to earth to die. He came with a mission. To save us from sin, not to save us in sin. And, you know, the Lord is such a marvelous, wonderful Savior that when he forgives us, he puts on his robe of righteousness on us. He covers us with his righteousness because, you see, I don't have any righteousness. I am exposed and I'm just filthiness. But he covers me with his righteousness. And we cannot make it without the righteousness of Jesus Christ. If we don't Confess our sins and, you know, re- receive the forgiveness of God. We are in trouble because we will not receive the robe of righteousness that the Father gives us through his Son. And so we come to that point where the Father looks down and, you know, the Son will say to him, Father, you know what, John, John came to me. He repented of his sin. He confessed all what he did. I forgive him of his sin. So he is free from the guilt. From the consequences of his sin. Because of my blood that was shed on the cross. And so the father said, okay, he is free from the guilt of his sins. And he can live on just as if he had never Sin before. Can you believe that? 
What a blessing, brothers and sisters. I need a strong person here now. Who is coming next? Strong, strong, strong. So we don't have a lot of strong people in Mount Pleasant or what? Okay. There you go. So we have forgiveness. What a blessing. What would we do if we were not forgiven? What would we do if we did not bring our sins to God, knowing that he would forgive us? We are here. Every single one of us are here today because we are forgiven, right? We're not worthy. But then, does it end there? He forgives us, and then what comes next? Well, let me tell you something. His father told him, you know what? My son was dead, and now he is alive. (laughs) He came from the rocks. He came from the pig's pods. He is now alive, and there is going to be a celebration here today. What a blessing. What a blessing. You know, we have what we call justification. Now, if he did not get out of that mess that he was into and repent and, you know, confess his sin and receive forgiveness of his sin, he could not be justified. But justification comes from whom? From God alone. He's justifying us because of his merits. But you know something? There is a work that you and I have to do. And that work is to walk away from sin. Walk away from the path that leads to destruction. I need another strong person out here now. I must can find another one. Who is coming? All right, there you go. There you go. Justification. You know, this has been a topic over the years. Because there is a lot of beliefs around there that we are free to sin. Free to do whatever we want and we are still going to be justified. No, it takes faith. And it takes obedience to receive forgiveness and justification that comes from our Heavenly Father. Now go with me to 1 John. And I'm going to ask you this question here. 1 John, can we live without sin? 1 John, let's go to 1 John chapter 3. And we are taking verse 5 to 9. 1 John 3. You know, John says some real um, powerful statements here. He makes some statements that sometimes, you know, we wonder, what is this possible? 1 John 3, verses 5 through 9. And it says, verse 5 says, And you know, That he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. So who was manifested to take away our sins? Jesus Christ, through the sanctuary service. To take away our sin, to cleanse us from unrighteousness. Whoever abides in him does not what? Does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. So if we sin, we don't see him, we don't know him. And then verse 7 says, Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. And he who sins, verse 8, is of the devil. 
For the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. What did Jesus come to earth to do? Destroy sin and save humanity from destruction. He did not come to save us into our sins. So the point here is, can we live without sinning? Let me ask you what you all think. Amen, amen, amen. I say praise the Lord. We can do so through Jesus Christ alone. I cannot do it alone. It's only through the power that Jesus gives to me, I will be able to overcome sin and to be a victorious Christian in this time and age that we are living in. I need one more person now. Sanctification. Okay. Think he thinks he's stronger than you. <laughs> yes. So, sanctification. So, once the prodigal son left that place, you know, and start, you know, he... he he repented of his sin. Thank you, sister. And then he came over here and he confessed. He went to the sanctuary and confessed his sin. He told the Lord all that was his, you know, he had done. And then the Lord forgive him of his sins. Thank you so much. And the Lord justified him. Even though he should die, he was justified because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Then he leaves from there, walking in the path of sanctification. Living a sanctified life that he can only live in Jesus Christ. That means that, now let me ask you a question, the prodigal son, is it possible that once he's here walking up on higher ground on that stairs going up toward heaven, is it possible that he can have a temptation once in a while to come back down here? Is it possible? Yes. He can have the temptation. The temptation may come. He may remember. Because you know what? The prodigal son, the life that he was living, was a life of whoredom. You heard what I'm saying? That's the life that he was living. Whoredom. He would live with every woman that he could find. And he lived that life until he wasted everything and his friends abandoned him. And that's what happened. Your friends know you when you have money, right? But once the money is over, <laughs> they, they forget about you. Here, this prodigal son was tempted several times to go back down there to that life that he was living. And maybe by accident, let's say by accident, he came by over here and he stopped here and he's stuck right here again. What would happen? What would happen? He has to come back again and what? Repent. Confessed. Receive forgiveness. Justification and sanctification. You see, sanctification is when we as Christians decide to leave the world behind us and start walking the path that leads to eternal life. They start, the people see you, they wonder, where on earth did he come from? We never know him before. Your life is start, you know, starting to change. The things you used to do, you do them no more. The things you used to say, you don't say them anymore. The places you used to go, you don't go there anymore because our lives 
have been changed. Now, let me ask you, we got this very clear? Well, you want to keep all these strong people out here standing until the end of the day. <laughs> you can sit. Thank you. Just put it right here on the, on the couch. I just wanted to make this point this morning because there is a confusion and maybe even among us on this topic of sin, grace, confession, repentance. You know, I have heard it so many times from the pulpit and I, it, it bothers me when I hear it. I slip today, and I slip tomorrow, and I will continue slipping. Is that what Jesus wants? No. We slip in here and slip in there, and no, no, no. Jesus don't want you to be playing that game over here and coming back over here and then going back over here. No, no. He wants you to go heavenward. He wants us to go heavenward. He wants us to leave the devil and this world behind us. Now go back to, with, with, with me to this um, passage here. I'm going to take you to John again. John chapter 2. The verse we, we read this morning for our passage. John chapter 2. First John chapter 2, sorry. First John chapter 2. And I'm going to take verse 1. First John 2, 1. Listen to what it says. My little children, I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone sins, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. Here John is saying, hey, you know, I write to you so that you may not sin. We don't want you to go back there. But if in case you do so. We have an advocate. You know what's an advocate, right? A lawyer. Somebody to defend you. We have somebody to defend us. And that is Jesus Christ who is ready at all times, 24-7, always ready to receive us, to forgive us, and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But the Christian life is a Christian life that is going upward. We're not going downward. We're going upward. Heavenward. Heavenbound. We have no time to be going back and forth in this sinful world. And if you go with me to Revelation chapter 14, Revelation chapter 14, I'm going to take verse um, 6 through 8, Revelation 14, 6 through 8. It says, Then I saw another angel flying in the midst of heaven having the everlasting gospel to preach to those who dwell on the earth. What is the gospel that he has to preach? What kind of, go what kind of gospel? The everlasting gospel. The gospel that has never changed to every nation, tribe, and tongue, and people. This is the message that we must proclaim to the world, to every single human being upon this earth. Every home in Mount Pleasant should hear about the gospel, the everlasting gospel, saying with a loud voice, Fear God and give glory to him, for the hour of his judgment has come, and worship him who made heaven and earth, the sea and springs of water. Here God is calling on a people on this earth, a special people, to worship him, 
The God who created the heaven and earth, and that's the reason why we're here on Sabbath, because of God, creator God, and also because there is a judgment that is going on right now in heaven. He is in the most holy place. We don't know when he's going to leave that place, but we know he's going to leave that place sometime. We don't want when he steps out from there, we are down there in the pig's pod. When he steps out, we want to be over here, walking on the stairs that lead to heaven. That's where we want to be. We don't want to be anywhere else. And we want to call the world attention to worship him. We want to call the world attention to judgment. It is coming. And Christ is calling us as a people, you need to not only live this message, but you need to proclaim this message to the world. And I repeat the words of the the, um, Psalms, um, pardon, Revelation 14, and it says to every nation, every tribe, every tongue, and people. And that's the reason why I am so happy to be a part of this church. The Seventh-day Adventist Church. Because this is a church that believes that the gospel has to go to everywhere. And everybody needs to hear. And then we find in verse 8, And another angel followed, saying, Babylon is fallen, is fallen that great city, because she has made all nations drink of the wine of the wrath of her fornication. This is a great warning for us that we cannot let go. And here is... You know, the reason why I wanted to share this message is because Babylon has had some effect on our people. This wine that Babylon has spread and has given to the different nations and people, some people are drinking it right among us. Sipping on this wine. The wine of Babylon. The lies of Babylon. And here God is saying that we need to make all nations understand that they must not partake of the wine of the wrath of our fornication. So when they tell you, you don't have to worry. All you have to do in this life is be good and God is going to save you. That's a Babylon lie. That's a wine that you are drinking from Babylon. When they tell you, hey, you don't have to worry about confessing your sin. God knows your heart and all you have to do is love him. Love him not going to take you to heaven, brothers and sisters. We must remember who we are and what God wants us to be in this world. He is here. Don't forget. He's here to forgive. He's here to cleanse. He's here to save Every single one of us that are here this morning, with no exception. But he does not want us to sip on the wine of Babylon. That can distract us from the sanctuary. And the sanctuary is standing there for you and me. I praise God for it. What a blessing. What a blessing when we can come to him. And then it says, in verse 9, it says, Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast and his image, and receive his mark on his forehead or on his hand, he himself shall also drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full of strength into the cup of his indignation. He shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels and in the presence of the Lamb. The problem is, when you drink fermented wine, What happens? 
What happens when we, we sip on fermented wine? What happens? We get drunk. That's right. We can't think. We can't reason. And this is the problem here. If you are sipping on the wine of Babylon and not on the word of God, the truth, thus says the Lord, it doesn't matter how much the message you hear the message. You are still going to continue listening to Babylon. You are going to follow Babylon. In this time that we are living, I want to invite the Mount Pleasant Church. Let us come to Jesus with all our aches and pains and our sins and our problems. Remember, he is our advocate. He is our advocate and he's standing there for us. I want to share this story with you real quickly. When I was like maybe my early teen, 12, 13, I heard a very old pastor share this story and it stuck with me all these years. Can't forget it. He used this as an illustration to get, a point, get this point across that I'm trying to share with you today. The story about Johnny and Lucy. Johnny and Lucy will go and spend summer with Grandma. Every summer. But Grandma had some big old ducks that, you know, Johnny loved. But the thing about it that Johnny loved to see the ducks fly. Especially the big ones. And grandma knew that. And so she told Johnny and Lucy, she said, you can go out there and play with the ducks, but do not throw rocks. If you throw a rock at the duck, you can hurt him. Don't throw rocks at the ducks. Johnny tried to figure out how to get the ducks fly if he doesn't throw some rocks at them. So he took a little tiny one and he threw at the duck. Nothing happened. He threw another little rock. Nothing happened. So he was tempted to take a bigger one. And he threw a bigger one. And he hit one of the biggest ducks right in the head. What do you think happened to the duck? Duck fell and it was dead. Johnny looked around. Nobody was looking. Lucy was not there. Grandma was not there. So he went to the garage. He grabbed a shovel. He dug a hole real quickly. He put that big old duck in that hole. He buried it. And he took off. But guess what? Just as he was about to go back into the house, there was Lucy standing with a big smile on her face. I saw you kill Grandma Duck. You saw me? Yes, I did. So if you don't want me to tell grandma what you did, you're going to have to take me around the whole yard on that wheelbarrow. Every time I want you to ride me around, that's what you're going to do, Johnny. Or grandma is going to hurt from me. Johnny said, okay, Lucy, I'll do whatever it takes. Just don't let grandma know. It was days. Johnny was so tired. He was tired. Sometimes he felt like, you know, just falling asleep. And Lucy will come. Johnny, I need another ride. And this was going on for weeks. Johnny's summer was ruined by Lucy, she sa- he said. He reached to a point where he could not bear it anymore. And he, Johnny said, you know what? I can't go along with this anymore. My body is hurting. I'm, I'm just so weary every day. Lucy, Lucy I'm tired of this. Lucy said, Johnny, I'm going to tell Grandma. Well, 
He waited until one day when grandma sent Lucy to the store to buy some flour to make some cookies. And as she went by to the store, Johnny went to grandma's door. Grandma, yes, Johnny. Can I talk with you one minute, grandma? Grandma said, yes, come on in, son. He came into the room and he was there, you know, puzzling, wondering what to do. Grandma said, what do you have to tell me, Johnny? Come on, let's talk. Johnny said, Grandma, I'm going to tell you something, but <laughs> I'm afraid you're going to be mad with me, Grandma. Grandma said, well, if you don't tell me, I would not know. Let me tell you the truth, Grandma. I'm tired. I'm tired. You know what? I took one of the tiniest rocks that you could find in the backyard. It was so small you could hardly see it. And I threw it at the big duck, and I don't know, the duck just died. <laughs> but it wasn't the rock. Grandma said, Johnny... You sure about that? Yes. But grandma, I need you to forgive me. I can't take this anymore. Lucy has me just like a slave every day. And, uh, you know, she's telling me, she's threatening me. If I don't do what she says, she's going to let you know and I will be in trouble. So that's the reason why I come to you, grandma. Grandma said, okay, Johnny, sit right here on the bed. Sit here beside me. Let me tell you something. I saw when you killed my dog. I saw the very moment you killed it. I saw when you dug the, dug the hole and put the, the duck in the hole. I saw how Lucy had you like a slave. I saw everything. But it seemed like you were happy. So I just didn't say a word. I was going to wait until you were ready to come and say something to me. And I tell you, Johnny, with a big smile on his face, Grandma, you saw all of that and you did not say a word to me? No, Johnny, I'm waiting on you to come to me. Grandma said, Johnny, you are forgiven. Just please don't go back and throw rocks at the dogs. Johnny hugged Grandma. He gave her one of the tightest hugs that he could ever give her. He went through that door happy. And as he was going out through the door, there came Lucy. Where are you going? Don't go too far now. Johnny looked at her. You can do whatever you want. I already told Grandma. That was a different day for Johnny. What a day. It was like a weight just lifted you know, off his, his, his shoulder. He was so happy again. He was the Johnny that he wanted to be. The same happened with us. When we try to run this world and, and to hide from God, he sees and he knows everything. Come to him and tell him everything that's on your heart. Don't be ashamed of Jesus Christ. He went through that path. He knows exactly what you're feeling. He knows exactly what you're going through. And he's more than able to help us in our weaknesses, in our trials, in our tribulations, in our sin problems, in our moments of depression. He is there. He is our conqueror. And he wants us to understand that it is possible to be overcomers in Jesus Christ. Father God, we, we come before thee because you are our creator, God. And there is no one like you. We are weak and we are vile, just like the prodigal son. Every single day we need of thee. We cannot go one minute without you, Lord. And so this afternoon as we 
assemble ourselves and we come before the throne of mercy. We pray that you will search everyone's heart because you know us more than ourselves. And see, Father, as the, the, the great king says, see if there is anything in me, Lord, that is not like you and bring me unto repentance. Father, many of us, we have walked this path and your Holy Spirit has spoken to us in different ways. The angels have appeared to many of us and have revealed your will over and over. But Lord, it's a struggle. It's a warfare that is going on on this earth. And the devil wants to destroy us because he came with three main purposes. To steal, to kill, and destroy. But you came with one purpose, and that is to redeem us. To save us from sin. And to take us to heaven. Lord, Forgive us our sins. Forgive us where we have come short. Father, if there is anything that we have neglected, you know, to bring before thee, help us to be reminded, Lord, and that we may embrace the mercy of God, the mercy, the grace of Jesus Christ, the privilege that we have to seek thee in the most holy place, in the sanctuary, where solution to all our problems are there, in the sanctuary. Help us to go there every day and help us not to forget that soon and very soon we shall see the King. Soon and very soon you shall come back to take us out of this world. Soon and very soon all our problems and our sin problems will be over and we will be gathered home with Jesus. But in the meantime, Lord, help us not to neglect. Come into thee, come into the sanctuary. And leaving behind this sinful world. And through the grace of Jesus Christ become victorious in him we pray. Amen. 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 And amen. Amen. amen.